once again. Hello there, wrestling fans. Welcome to the internationally known Dudes at Ringside Podcast. I am your host, Joe the Panther the Fed. And now introducing to the mic, my awesome, 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 wounded, but still here, co-host, the bruised happy heel himself, Metal Geek. What's going on, Ringside Crew? How's it going, everyone? What's going on internationally known? What's going on, Joe? Not too much. Uh, you got to stop eating them rocks, Geek. They're, they're not uh, them teeth. Uh, yeah, the wisdom tooth just got pulled just now. So. I guess you're not that smart today, Geek. You feel a little right. dumb. <laughs> the knowledge is running away from you. So you ready to introduce this really big guest we have? He's, a, he's an awesome guest. He's not just a guest. He's the guest. Let's give a warm dudes at ringside welcome. To Benjamin Wood, the CEO of Eleven Pro. That's Benjamin J. Wood. Benjamin okay. J. Wood, sorry. Ben, sorry. Benjamin J. Wood. <laughs> but, I'm grab you by your collar and force you to do a reintroduction. But if okay, I, you want you want to do this is gonna be a first for dudes at ringside. We'll take you off and then we'll reintroduce him. Okay. Yeah, all right. Okay. Once again. Let's give a warm dudes at ringside welcome to Benjamin J. Wood. Let's not get too far ahead of ourselves. Honestly, though, it's an honor to be here. International uh, people are watching in like the far corners of Saskatchewan. Like it's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. exactly. We have. We have we have people from Australia, the UK watching us. Um, Germany is another one. Canada, so we're pretty internationally known. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah, getting up there. Yeah. So uh, if if our fans are not familiar with it, what they should be by now. <laughs> I don't
raising now in the performance center are also out and getting their feet wet in the wrestling business and you couldn't ask for anything more than opportunities and hungry young superstars of the future which is the motto of everything that i've been taught in pro wrestling hmm. awesome. how did elevation pro get that started well elevate pro was started in around 2017 um, i started by alex Cruz. Uh, and a bunch of, a couple other people from uh, the St. Bernard Parish in Louisiana. Um, Brittany and myself came along probably somewhere towards the end of 2017. Uh, we were previously working for a, another promotion in Louisiana, which I refuse to mention. And we basically um, were looking to start out new with a better opportunity, which we found um, when we got to Elevate Pro and uh, immediately uh, she was taking over media correspondence. I was taking over the backstage booking and the uh, basic like story writing and, and coaching of the you know Chinese and stuff. And uh, we just started to turn things around and really hit a new gear and, and a new momentum and uh, really started branching out for the state of Louisiana. We were running throughout the state and making an international name for ourselves. People were starting to pick up the vibe. We had uh, a good stream going on Fight TV and uh, streaming on our YouTube channel. So people are picking up and subscribing and watching our content. And uh, the company just started to form and grow. And uh, it pretty much continues to do that to this very day, to this very moment, this exact decade. It's hmm. awesome. So, like, what is, like, your, like, biggest crowd you've had so far since the uh... – since the pandemic is like, like, so like, let the crowds back. Have you had like a big crowd so far for like your events? We ran two shows under our own banner. Um, we ran Mississippi um, in a small venue um, back in February, and we sold out the building maximum map, which is only 150 people to allow the self tickets for. So that was a start and a good warm up. Our home base has always been shot out in Louisiana. And New Orleans, Louisiana, and we were looking to get back into the building on January of 2020, right before the pandemic. We were on a roll coming off our biggest show of the year in October. It was our anniversary show. We ran at the uh, Segura Center in Chalmette, the historic Segura Center, where Mid-South Wrestling used to come through and right in the territory, JYD and the whole bunch. And uh, just an honor to be in that building. Um, we did a free show for the community, drew over 675 fans, and it was a really awesome experience. That momentum took us into January. Um, we did a show from the ashes, basically the rebirth of the company under the new management of Brittany and myself and Mark Fleming. And then we basically uh, drew out, I think, around 475. Um, for that first show, which was a really nice draw. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Coming off the COVID hard um, right there in February. March was our next event. We had to cancel the March show, and we didn't run again until this past February. Our last show was a couple weeks ago, and uh, we had an outstanding crowd of over 300 people, and uh, it was great to be back in front of like, such a live crowd, and the fans were loud, and they were excited all night. And they've been loud and excited for all the promotions in Louisiana. A lot of the promotions 
throughout Mississippi and Louisiana have been drawing, and it's good to see. Um, you you want the fan base to draw. You want people to do well. Um, you know, the fans are what's important. That's what makes this business. And, you know, it's good to see that any company, anywhere, you look on the Internet and people are selling out thousands in some places. And I think it's awesome that independent wrestling is just like that. Yeah, me and Joe, we've interviewed so many wrestlers from all the world, so many different characters they have had. We've interviewed like an Australian luchador. Joe knows this. Uh, we've had, uh, we have, we, we've had um, mother creatures on our podcast, kind of like creepy. creepy. <laughs> <laughs> so, creepy. Yeah. if uh, you're looking for anyone, we, we're a good handout. We got. Uh, we got Mother Endless, which is a creepy, like, if, here we go. If they went, went in a lab and they breeded a little DNA from Kane and a little DNA from Undertaker and put it together and it came out, and it would, it's a woman with a mask with paint, makeup on her face, red and black makeup with white down the middle, and the voice of Siri. <laughs> like, she talks like this. When she talks, you listen. <laughs> That's pretty yeah. awesome. Love that gimmick. I think yeah. women is, 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 could greatly benefit from women being what more characters and stuff like that instead of just being captivated by the personalities and the characters that I kind of grew up on and that's what kind of caught my eye. And what I look for in talent is people that have a something to them and uh, have a good attitude about that something they have. Yeah, we, we've had a lot of, like, we had a guest on today. Uh, you should definitely look into her. Her name is Mariah, was it Mariah? Monroe. Maya, Mariah Monroe. And she's good. She does a lot of hardcore matches, and she's tough. She's a tough chick. Yeah, she's a tough chick. Yeah, like a lot of deathmatch wrestling. She does a lot of deathmatch, but she—I know she can probably do regular hardcore, but she's tough. Um, we're also connected to a promotion in in uh, England called CPW, and there's a few female wrestlers on that roster that would that could come that would really fit in in America. Um, we have Alfie, which is like the hardcore, another hardcore wrestling chick, but she does a lot of spears and does a lot of like chair moves. And then we have she gave a, a girl a concerto. Oh yeah, a female concerto. She's like, <laughs> I was like, oh my god, did that just really happen? <laughs> like, you don't see that a lot. <laughs> like. Guys, I remember back in OVW, some of the girls there hit me harder than some of the guys did. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You we know, were actually doing mixed intergender wrestling well before it was anything popular anywhere on the independence or anything. Danny Davis and Jim Cornette and Rick Rogers and them had us wrestling the girls uh, on a daily basis. And we were going to shows and doing intergender tag matches and stuff like that. Battle Royals would include the girls. Like, we were kind of ahead of the time back like the early 2000s. Also, um, yeah, yeah, today's intergender wrestling is big. You know, it's like every independent promotion we've talked to, it's always at least 
a handful of men versus women matches. That's like the big thing now. So Yeah, it's like we're back in January where Amos was actually supposed to wrestle um he had an injury. Um and so I slipped Dale in the work Amber Rodriguez and it really worked out well and they had, you know, a good match and great chemistry and, and the fans really like bought into it and enjoyed it. And uh, it's capable in today's world. Like I said, we worked those good I worked with Beth Phoenix and girls like that and Jillian Hall and Jimmy uh, Brooks and they, you know, they were tough hitting big girls who, you know, Melissa Post, like they could they could hold their own with almost any guy that was in them at the time, especially Beth Phoenix. She was just an, an incredibly talented girl like from the day she walked in the place. Yeah. Yeah, we also just interviewed somebody from Scotland. His name's uh Jason Hyde. I don't know if you're familiar with him. He he's like this good thing he's on Facebook. You definitely have to look him up. His character hates everybody. <laughs> he says <laughs> I hate every I I put his promo on Instagram, but he's rich I got freaked out because he sent Geek sent me the thing on from Facebook to my phone and the video says, My name is Jason Hyde. And I, he goes, hello there, weirdos of the wrestling world internet. Although I'm going to tell you a secret. I hate you. And I'm just like, no. I was like, call the land. I told Geek, 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 we, we, we can't post that on Instagram. But that's part of his character, though. I, I Well, I, I thought of it in another side of it. I was like, our wrestling fans are going to be so pissed. <laughs> like, you just told me you hate me? Okay, I'm not watching. <laughs> like... But then I then I went to the other side of it. He's a heel, and that brings you in. I mean, I think the wrestling fans got a pretty wide genre of what they're interested in. So definitely, not interested in. Yeah, like I got worried. Then I thought wrestling fans are not so like like marshmallows these days they're a little tougher than i think they are <laughs> they they're a little tougher than we are we think they are yeah so um you said amber rodriguez that's another guest that's another guest on our our wish list here at dudes at ringside because she's a, i watched some of her matches she's she's a good good athlete that's a that's a big talent right there amber rodriguez and she's been around a long time and she's got a vector music stick and that's something uh, that the independent scene and bigger companies are desperately needed. Yeah, I start I started watching your matches though. Ray I think it was what was it Ray Fury versus Apprentico. That was an absolutely great match. Oh both those guys are obviously extremely talented and hopefully an international man and Pentacle, obviously, on AEW now. You know, those guys were the backbone of the company for a long time and really helped like, elevate Pearl on the map and gave me forever grateful for both of them. And, you know, it's tremendous to see guys prosper. That's what you, you hope for in this business. Um, you want to see guys make it. You want to see guys elevate themselves. That's something elevate Pearl is open with wanting guys to prosper and, you know, no, nobody wants anyone to stay home and work for you forever. You want to see the guys rock and move out and go out there and follow their dreams. And we just, you know, that's what the dreams are about. Mm-hmm. You see guys out getting an opportunity that they've worked so hard for. And some coming much later in life. Um, it's not an easy business. Um, you guys, 
boxes as fans and understand it from your perspective and from the inside of it. Um, what we go through on a daily basis and, and just trying to make it, and, and some guys are more serious than others. Some of people, this is a hobby. Some people pressure themselves to the point to sickness, to drugs, to depression, to all kinds of things trying to compete to become a star in this business. Um, being invited to an OVW or an NXT or an AEW or anything of that matter is an extremely stressful and complicated situation that most people would never understand. And the pressure you have on you to succeed is beyond expectations because the pressure you're putting on yourself is beyond anything you've ever experienced before. So the two guys that have been around and are out there now getting opportunities and now succeeding uh, is an awesome thing. And it's something you guys should pay attention to with some of the older vets that are out there now kind of casting in on a 10, 15, 20 year career because they work their ass off to get where they're at. Hey, Mark. Would you guys ever, I, I don't know if this happened, but would you guys ever consider like cup branching out to other states or? Oh, yeah, we worked with other promotions before. That was something I was really trying to accomplish during the pandemic. And we had a few successful ventures and stuff like that. Um, I'm always for working with other people. Um, there's never enough opportunity in wrestling. Um, I, uh, there's a, some shadiness, there's a lot of politics, and there's mm-hmm. definitely a lot of drama. But overall, um, people can benefit from people not having that affect the working relationship for the boys and girls that are trying to do something for themselves. And the promotional stuff sometimes gets a little jumbled. Um, but the overall goal for me always is to advance the ability for the guys that are working for us and that our core roster and people who come from the school and stuff have a place to work somewhere else and get to work with different promotions and opportunities. Right? I'll use any contact that I possibly have or anyone I know available because that's what's most important to this point. And I think these guys have a place. You know, the name Elevate honestly has a lot more meaning behind it than just the name of a promotion. Like we really do try to enhance the ability of our, our full talent and guys. Because some of these people come from bad backgrounds and dysfunctional homes and neighborhoods and things and haven't had the best life stories. And here they have a chance to kind of change that direction in their life and do something that they'd love to do and the opportunity to try to follow the dream. You know, it's, just, it's, an amazing, it's an amazing thing to be a part of Pro Wrestling. I don't think anybody outside of Pro Wrestling will ever understand what it feels like to be a part of Pro Wrestling on a different level. Hmm. Um. Have you ever thought of like maybe coming to like try to get to connect with a promotion from like a New York group and try to do a show with them? Born and raised. Um, oh, we started in New York. Started in Yonkers, New York, at a little small training school, and uh, was trained by this guy, the um, Puerto Rican assassin. He ran a small little training school in a boxing gym. And uh, through him, I networked to other people and was able to go work out at Johnny Rods in Brooklyn. And uh, I was working out in places in uh, New Jersey. I eventually moved to New Jersey, Tom's River, 
and uh, I met Donnie Bucci and his brother Mike Bucci, who you guys may know as ECW Supernova and <laughs> as Simon Dean. They're twin brothers, and his brother Donnie, who at the time was my best friend, won Phoenix Championship Wrestling at Times River, New Jersey. For y'all, you know, no Phoenix Championship Wrestling is a promotion that was running really fast, early 2000 to about 2005, and we were basically the foundation for Ring of Honor. Wow. We had all the stars that eventually moved on the bigger things, Joey Mercury, the SAT, um, Frankie Kazarian, Christian Daniels, Nova was left in plus. We were one of the only promotions at that time who had Eddie Guerrero, even when the WWE had released him for that short time, and he came and worked Nova for us. Um, the Phoenix Championship Wrestling was like a mega opportunity. Through that, I had TNA tryouts and got opportunities to uh, go to a WWE tryout, which eventually led to my opportunity to go to OVW. Um, so Donnie Bucci, Mike Bucci, Nova, those guys, I am forever grateful to for, you know, for one, the, the fact they made for me to success and also just, you know, taking some small shit out of nowhere who kind of didn't know much. And, and giving me the chance to do something I dream to do because they take well. Yeah, it, that's what it's all about at the end of the day. I mean, to put the egos aside and make the fans happy, you know what I mean? Because to, to I mean, to think about it this way, if you have an interpromotional match, right? You And, uh, like, I know some of the, the promotions managers are going to be like, no, no, my champion can't go lose this match or my champion can lose this match. Well, at the end of the day, it's all about what the what the fans want. Because if you make the fans happy, you just gained another fan right there. And that makes the promotion more money at the end of the day. Yep. I wrote a book a few years ago and I talked about the wrestling fans' perspective of pro wrestling. It's a really great psychology because as a wrestling fan, um, the wrestling is, is the thing that captivated you and kind of took you out of the reality of the game. And the stories that we've seen over the years play out through professional wrestling, through the Attitude Era and, and, and other growing up, I don't know how far back you guys have watched, but I cool. grew up in the World Class Championship in AWA. So I've seen all of the, the wrestling in New York growing up. And um, wrestling's evolved so much through the years and, and changed. But the wrestling fan, the formula for the wrestling fan has always been the same. And it's always been the, the good versus the evil or the dramatic circumstances, the stacked against the odds, the hero, the villain. And when, when you started incorporating more of real life story, the fan was able to identify on a different level too because what worked about Stone Cold and, and Vince McMahon and what was great about it was what person in life at one point has not had an issue or a problem with a ball. That they mm-hmm. Exactly. And here you get to see somebody stand up for you and kind of vicariously you live through that moment of that stunner on that son of a bee that you would love to do yourself when you go to work the next morning. But yep. that, Oh, that's the thing that gives people that is incredible. 
you know, for years, I kind of, even as a wrestler, tried to feel like, why are these fans so involved? Why are they so invigorated? And it's because when you're telling a good story, it's not always about the music. It's about getting people involved in these characters and the person and really getting them to be involved. You want them to pop for you, not for, for you. If they're popping for you, you're doing something right. It means you're selling, you're selling t-shirts, you're probably getting TV time, uh, other good things are probably happening. And, and that's what you want. You want those fans to be in your corner like that. And you've got you've to give them what they want. There's a lot of guys that go out there today at school and get the smooth, the smooth, the smooth, the smooth, the smooth. And the fans love to see someone bust their head open. But that's what they're kind of watching for in a situation like that. The fans that are like reacting to the oohs and ahs and the, and the real emotion of, of like Roman versus his cousin and when they did that back, you know, like that kind of raw emotion stuff. People get into that. They're they're on every like wide and high and low. You watch a lot of old wrestling and fans are like they pop for a suplex or a body slam just because it was the one moment that their hero got in the situation where he was getting his busted. Like that's mm-hmm. what wrestling fans give to wrestling and a smart wrestler knows how to work with them. So what was it what what was the uh the moment that you watched the show, like when you were a kid, it made you want to join join in with that what you saw on TV. What was like your that moment? Because I watched a lot of the network, and it was definitely the first thing I ever watched. Watched was Saturday Night's Main Event. My uncle put it on. He, he put it on. I think he came on like nine o'clock Saturday night one night. I remember he turned it on, and uh, the music hit, and then. I just saw these like ridiculous characters and life and then the action started and I was glued like I wanted to know when the next one was and when I could watch it. I remember my grandma being like, You can never watch that again, whatever. And I remember like begging my uncle to put it back on again. But literally from that very first moment, like it just hit me like I've never seen anything in my life like this that I had I don't know if the words identified with it, but it just like it, it did something to me that like I couldn't stop thinking about. Okay, that's cool. That's cool. Uh, is there anyone on your wrestling uh, dream list, or? Oh, I'm sure there's a lot of people on my wrestling dream. I've had the privilege of working on television and stuff. I don't need to name drop. Um, it's, uh, it was a privilege being at OVW for the time I was there, you know, getting to work in the developmental system. I didn't have a developmental contract, but I was a part of the advanced class, which was all the developmental workers. So we worked with them. We wrestled them every week. We wrestled them every weekend. Um, I can tell you, like, my first weekend there, I. Um, was wrestling the SmackDown Tag Team Champion on a house show. And wow. Wow. And those were the kind of opportunities you had on the weekend. You showed up and you had something and they trusted you. So, um, it was really cool. Just the veterans that were constantly in and out. You know, you're learning from a tree of knowledge that dates back centuries of pro wrestling 
and experience while you're there. And I may have never became a household name in pro wrestling. I didn't make it to the big time WWE as a star. But the wealth of knowledge I learned from the people, um, not only there at OVW and the WWE system, but around those territories of the Mid-South and New Jersey and the stars that were around, um, the old timers that would take time to teach you something and talk about something and show you something. Um, and just looking for like other great promotions. There was a promotion in um, Tennessee called SAW, Southern All-Star Wrestling. It was run by Reno Riggins. And uh, for a while, Jerry Jarrett was involved with the promotion. We were doing weekly TV every night. And uh, a lot of top teams and guys, you know, from the rest of the team coming through there as well. And that had a chance at one point to literally be another TNA. Um, if Jerry Jarrett had stuck around a little. But, you know, I worked for NWA. I, I worked for, you know, those, you know, we did a lot of TV in those areas. We learned a lot. Um, in that country, and those people, um, always good people around to teach and learn. And so that's another thing, bringing that knowledge to the training center. There's a lot of guys out there that can run a wrestling school and, you know, did whatever. And I'm not the most bad guy probably, but most people's, you know, qualification as to being a household name superstar, but you also have to take into consideration where I've come from and who I've learned from. And I've trained and learned everything I've learned from Jim Springer or Dr. Tom or Rick Rogers or Pat Sinatra or Terry Taylor or Arn Anderson or Sergeant Slaughter, anyone who's come down and talked to us through these seminars or helped us, especially Rick Rogers, just a, a mountain of information. Jim Cornette doing weekly you know, seminars with us, breaking down psychology. Like the house is rolling around in your mind constantly. That's what I constantly hear when I step into a room with those words of wisdom, how to do this and how to do that. What's weird about wrestling is sometimes you know how to do it right and it doesn't always come out right. Mm -hmm. And now I know how to teach guys how to do things right and maybe follow a better path. Cool. Um, so with the sad passing of the, the wrestler, wrestler last night, you didn't Bobby, know if he, Bobby Eaton. Bobby Eaton. Uh, did you ever get a chance to meet him or no? Yeah, Bobby Eaton was a trainer at OVW for a while. Bobby Eaton also worked a lot of the Tennessee and Kentucky territory for a long time. Um, and we've done shows down um, and he's been on several of those shows. I'm pretty sure I got to work with the tag master for once. Uh, I remember, and uh, just uh, everything that's ever been said about the man is a uh, is a total truth, and one of the nicest human beings you'll ever see in pro wrestling, um, let alone on the planet, is as far as a good, humble human being, a wealth of knowledge, and uh, a very sad loss to professional wrestling, just a very sad loss in general. Um, we also lost our apprentice, who was a great promoter throughout the years in Tennessee. Um, and it was a big part of a WWE developmental back in the day, helping guys um, get a chance and opportunities in the business. So uh, the, the wrestling business sometimes is as poor as it is uh, wonderful. And it takes some of uh, the great away from it. Also a mask guy too. And it's just a tremendous thing to do. 
Who from Elevate Pro do you think it's gonna um do you think is gonna be the next rising star without putting anybody on the spot? I think we have a few people. Um Amherst should be a household name without a doubt. Um he's still in training, he's still got youth on our side. Um, but this girl has all the potential in the world. Dale Spring is another guy um who's been around from almost day one. And uh, he is a hell of a talent. One of the best technical workers that gets professional wrestling um, here in the South. And is really starting to branch out and make a name for himself. We have the Wrestle Twins, um, which is a tag team that everybody's going to be talking about in the next few years. These are two of the most talented young individuals. High energy, um, just extremely talented, humble young men that every promotion that has a tag team division should be booked. And I'm dead serious. The Russell team. Look these guys up, look up Elevate, look see their face. These guys are amazing. Um, they travel with another guy called Isaiah Zane, another young, talented, up-and-comer, currently the Elevate Pro Uprising champion. The twins are the top Elevate Pro champions. And these guys are doing tremendous things as a group, a trio, they call themselves the Matrix. And uh, Antonio Bronson, the Iron Pitbull, this guy's nasty. He's going to remind you kind of the younger Taz. Um, he's got that intensity and that kind of grit, that real nice feel. And uh, the Mountain Mendoza, we call him Caramel Lightning. And uh, he's a big boy with uh, a lot to prove. And these guys are strong. And uh, they have a, a really good opportunity to do something and make something different. That's one of the, the virtues that Elevate Pro is. We try to coach natural talent. I'm not going to have you sit in the sidelines for six months doing this or that. If there's something to work with, we're going to work with it and develop. You can't you can't keep some things in wrestling. You either got it or you don't got it. So, <laughs> I feel these days it's like you you think you have what you need on your roster and then you go out and do a show and then you're like, oh, man, you, you, the fans have popped. But then you leave and you watch the video and you're like, mm, I missed that part. We needed that part to get us over even higher. You know what I mean? This is something you can do better as a promoter, especially. I mean, you want the fans to leave with that experience and, and also that attitude of like when's the next show where can i get a ticket you, you watch a fan leaving the show wanting to buy the next ticket to the show if mm -hmm. they're so you've done something because the show should be giving the fans a dynamic roller coaster ride emotion and excitement that someone pays the ticket because isn't that what we buy a ticket to a concert to or to a theme park, or to a baseball game, or a football game. We're looking to drop the the, the, the state of mind we're in and, and enter a, a place of glory and happiness. Yeah, completely. Like, like um, two weeks ago, I went to Long Island to see Geek. We had a ticket for one show, and we found out there's the NY, New York Wrestling Connection was doing a show. So they, we told them, if you could put some tickets on the side for us, they did. 
we showed up. We've been fans of that promotion for 15 years. Me and Geek haven't been to a show in person to them for a long time. They made us family. Family. It was just, it was my my younger me and Geek were going, wow, we just got treated like family. They were hugging at the end of the show. What did you think? What did you think? Would you like it? Didn't like it. But, right, Geek? Yeah, it was awesome. You know, we couldn't you know, say no because that, that was the best experience right there. Yeah. Like, if, if we ever take a trip to New Orleans, I'm definitely me and Geek are going to come see you guys and come check out. Uh, oh, uh, we got to come. Now we have to go to check them out. I just said it. <laughs> we have to go. If we go to New Orleans, we're going to come. We're going to come. If I honestly, like, asked any of the fans, I believe they would, would tell you they enjoyed the experience. Um, I, I try to give everybody a little bit of everything. Um, even though I'm from an older school time, I understand that wrestling evolved and wrestling is constantly evolving. And so you have to adapt to all of your audience, all of your audience. You know, you can't just target one group and, and one particular audience. Mm-hmm. You have to and the wrestling fan base is always different. It's the same different things and you're learning different things. And social media is so much more important. So a lot of things are in I have to get to the show to see it. So when they're at the show, it's really important that you really give them something to go home thinking about. Because we're at an era where you can just sit home and watch it for four ninety nine on site or something. Sometimes some of these, you know, bigger promotions and stuff. I'd rather have the fans at the show. Um, I, for you guys as fans, I know you get just as excited when the music hits. For us, and when that curtain opens, it's like a, a a new like a new world is opening up right in front of you. Like you're stepping into like an alternate reality. It's like an unbelievable experience as soon as that music comes in. I can't tell you, you know, if anybody else, I think most wrestlers would say they feel that way, but there's no feeling better than that first crowd reaction of you coming through that thing. Yep. I know for you, because I've seen pictures of you in the ring and doing your announcements, like, what, as I said before, you just had your, like, you had one of your, your shows, like, it, it must have the, the sound of the crowd after doing recordings on the YouTube without a fans there. Did you feel the, 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 the reaction? Did you like, you were like, oh my God, I can't believe there's people here. Or were you just like, ah, the people. Oh no, I love it. I stressed about the people the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Um, Thousands of people in the audience. I mean, that's what we work towards. We're, we're working towards building our communities and, and building our fan base throughout the uh, Louisiana territory because the wrestling fans are, are traditionally hot here. Um, wrestling has been used in Louisiana going back many, many years. Like I said, Mid South is used in these territories. JYD is a legend in the, in the Mid South area here. And wrestling has really been a staple of this territory and we want to bring that back and uh we you know are involved in so many different aspects of, of the wrestling business too we cater to everyone's needs and we support all the diversity that's here in the world 
you know, we're part of many organizations that support LGBTQ and support Black Lives Matter and other, you know, things that are important to our community because they're important to the people that are involved in our organization and they're part of our family as well. You know, that's what we uh, want to keep growing and moving forward with uh, here in Louisiana. Because Louisiana is a wonderful wrestling state. Yeah, exactly. Because I just I say this on every podcast that I'm from New York, but all I could say is when I went to WrestleMania in New Orleans, probably the best WrestleMania I've ever been to. The different energies of the fan base here. People like to party here, and they like to have fun, and they like to enjoy themselves, and you can't help but get sucked into it. It's like in the middle of Bourbon Street, me and my friend, we were just walking. They just these two guys just started having a wrestling match right in the middle of the street, and there was like a there were there were fans crowding them and everything. It was unbelievable. They had some guy dressed like Hogan, another guy was Andre, and then sorry. Oh no, no, the, the New Orleans um, the WrestleMania has been super successful. Uh, I went to the uh, Access Fest in a couple years ago, and it was like one of the greatest experiences of my life. And I've you know been in the business over something years, but. I, I get it because I'm still a wrestling fan, just like you guys are. Like mm-hmm. I watch, hoping to be entertained each week by something, even though I know ninety percent of what's about to happen before it's going to happen. Yeah. I try to watch it objectively as a mm-hmm. fan because when you lose that, it's no fun anymore. Yeah, exactly, exactly. It's smart too, but you, you want to actually like when they get you, they get you, and I it's like. The WWE product's been a little bit better lately and a little bit more, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. And I like that. Because that's the kind of stuff, you know, when it, it kind of gets you, it reminds you of, of how awesome it can be. And they need those fans is what what they really need. And that was the biggest thing that was missing. Because that, that was, those... was missing what's going on. I think it's the biggest difference, you know. With the two promotions, they're both doing a tremendous job. Um, if I'll say anything about the difference between the two, it's the production. WWE's production is just on a different level. So mm-hmm. they've been doing that kind of production for decades. So they've mastered the technology. But the fan base and how they react and the way they produce, how the fans are, is just incredible. Are, yeah. are, you, are you familiar with... Um, a wrestler named Sean Crow is based out of Louisiana. No, he's a, he was on our podcast recently, a couple months ago. So. Months ago, geek. Yeah, what? I, I, me and Geek had this running joke, uh, Benjamin, that it's uh, our our. It's like we're sitting in our studio, and outside the, the door is everybody like a roller coaster line. And every, they're, 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 as soon as the del- bell dings, the door opens, and we're like, "Hey, welcome to the podcast. Sit down, let's talk." Yeah. I don't remember a lot of people's names. That's why it's good in wrestling. We have gimmick names. If we had to remember each other's regular names, we probably would never remember. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> died for 10, 15 years that I could not tell you what their real name is. Oh, jeez. There's also a guy based out of uh, Texas. His name is Tomoku. He's super entertaining. Oh my gosh! I, if anything, if you met this guy, you would claim he's like the next rock. His, his yeah. energy and his the way he the jokes, charisma, the charisma is unbelievable. Charisma is so good. 
that you'd be like, where's the contract? Where can I sign? <laughs> it's like, Here. why Why is he not signed somewhere? Yeah. <laughs> That's what he's, I said. The savage, he's the savage juggernaut. Oh, nice. That sounds interesting. It's... <laughs> His character when he his character talks like um, Cookie Monster. It sounds like this when he talks. He claims he's Cookie Monster. Yeah, he, he, but he doesn't like the adults because he's he's like adults suck. Kids are cool. <laughs> you want to target to a, a fan base that's gonna ultimately like you know push these kids. One thing I've always known, especially from the live shows, is that. If you can get the kids going in the first couple rooms, you'll have the rest of the audience right behind them. Yep, totally. Like if you can get the kids on your side, they're they're you're golden. If you can't get the kids on your side, you're in trouble. That's it. It's, it's like, yeah, he goes, adults suck because they won't spend the money on Tamaku. <laughs> so there's a lot of cool games. Yeah, wrestling's really at a, at a good height right now. There's a lot of talent out in pro wrestling. It's really good to see. It's great for fans. It's great for the wrestlers. You know, it's great for the teams. You know, it's, it's, it's a good time right now. Um, I, I think wrestling will always continue to thrive um, with the passion that people have. And, and there's so many different gimmicks that people could have nowadays. It's unbelievable. It's like, I mean, I know everyone says wrestling goes in cycles, but there are a couple of gems out there that you could you really need to check out. There's, um, she's from California. Character, um, she's injured currently, but she'll be back soon. Um, Charisma, she's like a cruiserweight, but she's she's a good talent. She came on our podcast. She's so sweet. She's such a sweetheart, but. The girl could fly. If she had wings, she'd be like a bird. She flies around. There's on Monday we're having Monday the sixteenth. We have Aaliyah Mia Sweet. She's like a. If you saw what she she sort of looks like that girl from that 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 Pixar movie. Um, what's that movie? Uh, that Crush, whatever the one. Uh, she looks. Her character looks like something out of that game Candyland. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I know. She looks like the character from that that game. I know. Yeah, what you're talking about. Help us help us out, Mod. You know who we're talking about, right? Yeah, she looks like one of those characters. Um, Leave me a sweet is coming on Monday. There is a female tag team that's coming on next Monday, next Friday. That they're from the promotion in Flor in Tampa, WXW. They're a set of twins, and it, it that's our first ever. Um, t- t- female tag team we're interviewing, and they're a set of twins. And back in OVW, I think they were the first female twins in pro wrestling. Actually, mm-hmm. they were definitely uh, you couldn't tell the two apart. Yeah, the but the but the difference with these two one's blonde, one's blonde has black hair. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, and also next Friday is a big one too. We're having Tito Santana's daughter on our podcast. Oh, nice. yeah. Jesse Hosh yeah. actually trained to become a wrestler as we speak. Tito was always a great talent. Oh gosh, yes. Tito's 
That's Mr. Santana. And I, 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 as soon as I saw the name, because somebody else said, oh, you should try to get her. And I was like, yeah, she's not going to pick. She's not going to answer my message immediately. Boom, scene. When can I come on? <laughs> I was running around. What's the calendar? Another guy you really have to check out is Chad Epic is another one. Oh, yeah. Ch- oh, my gosh. Chad. Very helpful. Very helpful guy. And if you need some, if you need someone behind the scenes, he's a really, really good guy. He's from he's in the Massachusetts area. He's a good he's a good manager. Like if you have a tag team, a big t- like two like big guys, and you need a manager that just that would speak for them and never let them speak again, because they sound like cavemen when they talk. Toss in Chad. Get more. They're, they're Bobby the Brain Heenan forever. <laughs> <laughs> hard to find a great manager today i mean i mean with wwe it's very uh you don't see it a lot on tv yeah you don't it's like you don't have a paul Heyman's anymore you know no and and the dangerous alliance was a great um a great faction back in the day Mm -hmm. a lot of good a lot of of the guy even the uh, grand wizard i mean with kamala oh that's uh that's uh the mod's father, father's uh, one, he was mentioning him, the Grand Wizard, right there. <laughs> yeah, oh god, the Grand Wizard, he that's a he that's golden, that's golden, golden manager era, right there. That's like my grandfather's when he wrestled. You you mentioned the golden era tag team, man, like the managers that everybody knows is Grand Wizard. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, there's a few of them that are like you say, golden era, his. Their names have to be mentioned. If they're not, it's like sacrilegious. <laughs> like if you don't mention Grand Wizard, you're not talking about the Golden Era. The golden Golden Era. There are a lot of great managers. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's just turned into something a little different today. But I, you know, I think the the, the trio group. I like what MVP's done. He's kind of resurrected. Yeah, he has. He's done a great transition, by the way, going from a wrestler to a manager. I thought Bobby Lashley did good talking in TNA when he was there. He had a good opportunity, but if you look at the talent around him, there were very few and very limited guys that could really get over on the mic. Uh-huh. Yeah. So we're actually, in the later in the month, we're actually having Al Snow on the podcast from OV, OVW. 
Al Snow, I've had the privilege of working on several independent feature films with in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, I've had the privilege of wrestling Al. I've had the privilege of learning from him on several occasions. One of the smartest minds in professional wrestling today. Um, you can learn so much about the pro wrestling business from Al, just listening to how he breaks down psychology for things, just things that he said to me 10 years ago that still ring in my mind to this very day when I'm teaching or when I'm working with someone um, that, you know, about pro wrestling and how important certain things are. And uh, probably just one of the most tremendous assets to the business to have someone who's the smartest thing still around sharing his knowledge with you. If you if you could grab someone from AEW or WWE, who would you grab? As a talent? Yeah. I mean obviously you'd have to go with who would probably draw you the most money. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody's roster, that would obviously be John Cena. Who would draw the most fans and the most money? John Cena would be the one. From a from a fan standpoint, from someone that I'd like to see or like to have around that's on the current roster that I haven't met or been around already, um, I'd say probably Roman. Roman. I think he's done a tremendous transition as well. Mm-hmm. And this is—I think he found something different in himself. With some guys, it took a while. I think it took me ten years for the light bulb to go off, to where I finally was really starting to understand things at a level that was being productive. So Roman, I think, is at that point in his career now where he's got top-tier talent potential. It, it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's like uh, it took the, I mean, it's this is what every fan wants right now. Like 10 years ago, everybody wanted Roman to turn heel and be that big, bad heel. And right now, he's killing it right now. He's killing it. So. And they haven't messed it up really with trying to throw too much into the development story. And they've done a good job with it. And of course, Paul Hammond definitely that. No doubt. Mm-hmm. Paul's obviously probably one of the one of the bigger rejections is my first term in OBW. Um I, I got out in two thousand and uh, early five before Heyman got down there. And I so had the chance to work with him. And what a tremendous like like mind and smart guy and pro wrestling. So I think they his coaching and his work there is definitely Mm-hmm. Loving your toy collection in the background, by the way. I'm loving my toy collection in the background too. <laughs> <laughs> Is that like the old school, like WWF, like the ones that don't move? They just they're like that. Yeah, the old uh, LGN figures, the original Hulk Hogan uh, from 1984. These I had when they actually came out and to have my hands on them. And I remember 
um, someone telling me to throw them all out at one point. And it was time to move on, and I was like, no, but I did. I wish I didn't. Mm-hmm. A bunch of two-man uh, figures as well, which are quite expensive on the one uh, market right now. Mm-hmm. Those, though, the, the short ones, the really good ones, are, are going to ridiculous prices. Um, and the ring itself, like the old ring, like you know, think like those were laying, you know, you bought them at like Walmart or whatever, you know, $5. I actually have, I don't know if you have this one in your collection, the Andre the Giant, like the Hogan one you just had in your hand, and his hands are out like this, and he has the big afro with the blue tights. There were two different versions of the Andre that they came out with. One had that afro, and the other had the shorter hair version. Um, and that, the, uh, I uh, don't have that one. I have Steamboat. I have um, the British Bulldog, Nikolai Volkov, and Bruno San Martino. And then I have the Thumb Wrestlers. Big John Studd. I was always the heel. I love the heels. As it keeps going up, I wanted Hogan to get his end to the I may be the person of that time era that was rooting against Hulk Hogan. (laughs) I wanted everybody to kill Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I don't, but like I love Kamala, like I I love like King Kong Bundy, like Big John Stone. Like I always wanted Hogan to lose. Yeah, it's like it's Hogan so funny. Both of your time. <laughs> oh, as I said, I'm a golden era child, so like I was spoiled by going to Madison Square Garden and more like half these kids I'm, I knew. I'm more the new school, so I like the new Japan stuff. I like yeah. Howard Finkel, uh, Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heenan, like, like uh, the, what's that British guy that used to come out before the show? They're like, hello, my name is here and I'm here in the crowd to announce the show. And that guy, the British guy that would be back, like backstage. Well, Michael, no. Oh my God, I can't, I can see his face. He wore the weird suits all the time with the big collars. Um, he was the, the British guy that worked for WWE. There's a lot, there was a lot of good talent back then. The, the commentary was tremendous back then. It was so live and so raw and so raunchy. It was, uh, it was extremely entertaining. And stuff. Yeah. I, I got a question. Somebody who should have won the title in WWE that never won the title. Going back for like of all time, yeah, yeah of all time, yeah. I'll tell you mine, you know. Go for it. That were really deserving, to be honest. There's two that stand out that I think could have been world champions at some point if they had been given the opportunity. Um, one would be Rick Rude. Oh yeah, definitely. Definitely, that was yeah. Another one, yes. Another one, Miss. In my game, I gave him a random title shot in two K nineteen, just to like just just throw him a little throw him a bone because I didn't really see him. Only in my game, I tossed in a continental title. I was like. Let me. Um, I, I always create a WWF in my game. I always do. A geek knows. I and then I just start bored of making it WWF because I would have to make WCW. I made one just called Legends, 
And I I kept doing matches. Rick Rude won the IC title, losing, and then I just said, in that night, I just had him challenge the champion in a in a commentary before the show, beginning the show, and I had him in the main event against the champion. Like, he's not gonna beat the champion; he's gonna lose. I was like, oh my god, Ravishing Rick Rude is the new World Wrestling Federation champion. Holy crap, what did I just do? It happened. I would say I would say Regal's one of them gotta be up there too. Um, he could have been a top heel in the company, right? Without a doubt. Yeah. Hogan would, would have never laid down for him. Nope. And perfect, perfect. I can remember this. You think about it. Perfect never won the tit- World Wrestling Federation title, but he did take it in his hand and smash the life out of it during a was it Saturday Night Main Event? Or was that just a house show? He did that. You remember seeing that? I don't remember seeing that. I know I met Mr. Perfect at my TNA tryout back in early 2002. I think it was 2001. And uh, I was actually impressed and mesmerized at how much bigger in person he was than he looked on TV. Because mm. on TV, he always looked like a smaller guy. But in person, he was taller than I am, and I'm six four, So he was huh. every bit five or six six. And his arms were like tree trunks. Mm. He was the biggest bicep like I've seen. And just, I was totally awestruck at how big and, and, and strong and, and he was as opposed to what he looked like all these years. That was definitely another thing for me when I had met him. Like, man, he could have been a champion for sure. Like, yeah. That's the, the way he sold and the way he could talk in the mic. He could have been ahead, especially with Bobby Heenan by his side. He could have definitely had a run. Like, I remember when he, he left Bobby and he was working with the coach, I was like, about SummerSlam 91, and I was like, what did you do? Why do you put this random Joe Schmo, the coach, in Mr. Perfect's corner? What a waste of, like, a managerial spot. for Is it, is it a substitute, like a bad, you know, when you're, when you're like, trying to find, look down the bench and find the best player to replace, replace the good player? And you're like, okay, I'm just going to toss in some Random Joe Schmo, give him a whistle, give him a hat. Okay, let's toss the coach in as Mr. Perfect's manager for his biggest match in his career against Bret Hart at SummerSlam 91. Throw some dude called the coach. What? Not all the booking is great. It, it did fit because Mr. Perfect, the coach. Yeah. yeah. That. Uh, Reg- I, I said Regal would have been another great world champion. Wrestling wise, without a doubt, without it. Although Regal has personality aspects, uh-huh. I just don't think they ever allowed Regal to have it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I remember the skits with um, Tajiri. Yeah, some of my favorite, like um, in between, like little things with Regal and uh, Tajiri. Eugene too. Because he, uh, he, Regal could have definitely been. You're right. Well, I got another one. Test. 
They should have definitely gave Tess a, like a, a title run. Tess deserved a title run. I would have said Goldust. He Tess, he had he had something. I, I just always see something in him like he could be a champ. He could have been a really good champion. Oh, I don't know, man. He was definitely kind of like he reminded me too much of Van Hammer. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could see it now. But he was—I thought he was a good talent when he was very one-dimensional. Great look, great size, but didn't offer you anything more than just what he put out. Mm. Would you say Goldust? Who else did you say? Goldust. Goldust, definitely. I think at some point, as maybe a, a fluke thing, but like. Could have taken it seriously and he could have held on to it for a while. Um, but I thought the gold dust gimmick was good. Um, I don't know how Dustin honestly feels about it to this day, but I think that as far as something taking you from just kind of mediocrity to a superstar status overnight was the gold dust gimmick, especially in the 90s, yeah. like the early 90s, like with the parking lot brawl and all that. He could have taken. Oh my God. He wasn't real. You know, he was just Dustin Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes. Yeah. Anything, whatever. But mm-hmm. when Old Dust came, he really found himself as a performer. Mm-hmm. And that's where the difference is made. I could, I could also see maybe, I don't know, either you may not feel this, but Albert. Albert, as a big guy, could have. Maybe like at the ECW level of what WWE was doing, could have been an ECW champion for sure. Mm-hmm. But I don't know about like the WWE champion. Mm-hmm. He's a talented guy, a smart guy, great like in-ring performer. But as far as like champion, I don't know. Definitely maybe like ECW champion. Mm-hmm. Another another talent that only kept the IC title never went past that, Honky Tonk Man. Honky, it, it's the it's that era thing again though, because you're going back to a time where like there were a lot of guys that Vince was gonna put the strap on over Hogan. Short thing to Hogan, and he wasn't gonna take many opportunities to jeopardize that. But definitely, Hockey had probably was probably up there with Jacob Jake and Macho Man as one of the top heroes of that time, mm-hmm. without a doubt. One of the most memorable heels. So there's quite a few wrestlers in that era that like that you would have love to put on the strap but everybody always like like let's give it to like you said a jake roberts but then hogan's over here like nah i'm remember me oh don't worry about it get back to hogan <laughs> give it back to hogan again he wants that belt again you know what i mean it's just like anybody else in that roster could have been champion for like a few months but then they were like you know what oh 90s that's the Hulk. The Hulkamania thing's still alive. Let's give it back to Hogan. I think a lot of those guys in that era would have liked that opportunity. I mean, it was the, the pretty much like 
uprising of, of pro wrestling during the when like these explosions content across international waters. Like everybody starting to see this new wrestling, you know, these characters and all this craziness. And uh you had to ride with the time. A lot of these guys deserved it and worked for it and would have been great champions, but they probably honestly didn't have the market value that Hulk Hogan did. Ooh, I got another one. Owen Hart. Oh, definitely. Owen Hart. Definitely. He should have definitely taken it from Brett, for sure. That he should have. Wasn't he supposed to beat Brett at that, that show at the Garden? Wasn't he supposed to beat him? I'm not sure what the backstage story on that was, but he's someone who did it definitely. Have I agree with you 100% on that. Another tragic loss in pro wrestling. Oh, that was. Oh. He's another one of those guys like Bobby Eaton that is not a person probably on the planet that has something bad to say about him. Yeah. Just like such a sad loss, Bobby Eaton. I was just like, I saw people talking about him on the. The other side of Instagram that tells you what you should search. I'm like, why are they talking Eden? And then I said something to Geek. I said, what? I mean, the Midnight Express and Rock and Roll Express uh, stories and legendary monsters that have basically sculpted the landscape of tag team wrestling as we know it today. And any tag team that's out there now knows who Bobby is, knows who Rick and Morton is, knows who Dennis Andrea, you know, Stan Lane, Robert Gibson, you know, those guys did tremendous things at a time where wrestling was on fire. The South was on fire for wrestling. And those people went and sold out territories like left and right. Like to see these matches against each other was incredible. Yep. Like, uh, um, let's just think. So, do you have any uh, upcoming matches you would like to promote, like uh, any shows that are coming up? Um, we don't have any shows on the docket um, right now until November. We're working on securing a location that's going to be our anniversary show. Um, with things spiking up again right now in the state of Louisiana and across the south, with COVID, we're being kind of cautionary because we're going backwards. Instead of forward, mm. so it's like things are starting to re-regulate and, and move differently. So I'm still over the next couple months that anybody's going to be allowed to do, or at least the next month. But we're getting ready to launch our uh, next season of the Surgeon Television, um, which streams on Fight TV. It also streams on Deep Sky TV um, through Roku and uh, Apple TV. Mm. 
Um, do you know, is, is there like anywhere that if somebody wanted to buy one of your t-shirts, is there like a website you have to go on or is it like um, Pro Wrestling Tees? Pro Wrestling Tees has uh, the elevator for the t-shirt selection. They handle all of our merchandise. We also have uh, all the links to our stuff at ElevatePro.com. Um, so you can definitely go to ElevatePro.com and keep up with all of our upcoming events and stuff like that. Um, we're on Instagram, we're on Facebook. Um, you definitely go to our YouTube channel and subscribe to our YouTube channel. It's free. And uh, there's a lot of exciting content on there. We recognize a lot of faces uh, in the matches and the shows. And the shows are really well produced and, and have a lot of fun uh, content available. Well, my wants to ask, do you have any pets? Okay, before a head pops, come on. <laughs> I have two cats. Um, Hiding somewhere, Nefertiti. Nefertiti. Yeah. Egyptian. You hear that? It's She doesn't want to be on camera. She's like, nah, no, no. That's cool, though. <laughs> Not like been up here and moving around. She's definitely very curious. Um, yeah. I have two dogs. Sorry, I have two dogs. So like, oh, I had I had two dogs. Now I have one, but like, they they're always looking for something. Like you'd be sitting there doing something, and then, then it's like, what are you doing? Watching TV, eating a bag of chips. Well, is that chips for me too? Okay. Like my cat will wake me up at six o'clock in the morning and they put food in their bowl, and then I'll go put food in their bowl and they want to touch it. Hmm. They just like that, but you know, I, it's part of being, I guess, the responsible parent. I don't let them outside anymore. Not outside cats. Dogs require lots of outside stuff. And you may be here sometimes. You can break a sweat leaving your front porch to your mailbox. <laughs> so, usually, like for the last couple of weeks, it's been around 115 degrees. What? 115 degrees. Crazy. We can't even say that because the wrestling show we went to, the outdoor show, the NYWC one, it was about 100 degrees out that day. We were outside. Joe was, was 90 degrees. I no, lied. Like I feel like it was 100 degrees because we were sweating. It was, it was 90 degrees, Joe, but it felt like it was like 110. I was it's like if the air is a little bit more dead down here, like you're surrounded by the Gulf Coast, and so all the humidity is coming in off the ocean. And it's just like you're trapped in this like swamp of the heat and it's oh, it's crazy. Yeah, so um we don't wanna hold you up. If you have to go, Benjamin, you can yeah. you can let you go. We don't wanna hold you up because we know different time zone. So Well, I appreciate you guys having me on here. I definitely been an honor. This is uh, awesome and I, I look forward to um our other our other Elevate Pro uh, alumni coming on and sharing their experiences and stuff with you. Uh -huh. but, uh, 
Oh, please spread the word through the locker room. We would please, love please. to be more of your wrestlers, even though you got the glamorous one coming on later on this month. And then I wish I, I should have had it opposite. I should have had Brittany, then the glamorous one, but that's how it works. <laughs> talented in her own right and she's done a lot of good things for this company um you know she's the only female owner of the company here in Louisiana that they've ever had and she does a tremendous job on publicizing and getting this company's name off the ground so we all work as a great team and it's an honor for you guys to have noticed um the talent and stuff that we're doing and uh I really thank you for having me on here today no problem. No, no, thanks for taking the time out, dude. Thank you for taking really the time out of your schedule to come and see us because we're just a, just a little podcast, like a little choo-choo train going up the hill, and you guys are just like helping you guys out. Are the, you guys are the mountain right there. Yeah. <laughs> the pro wrestling business want to be what it is, and, and as being on the other side of the business, I always thank you guys because without you, I wouldn't have had the experience in my lifetime that I've had, and I know my students and future students wouldn't have the experiences and the opportunities they wouldn't have without guys like you. So thank you so much. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Have a good night, guys. You, you too. Stay awesome. Well, that what, was, a great, what a great interview, Joe. That was freaking awesome. So awesome. So awesome. Yeah. Thank you to Benjamin J. Woods. You got, you got it right this time, Joe. It's Benjamin, Benjamin J. Woods. That's um, right. Um, oh, yeah, I got it wrong because I was reading your name thingy on top, geek, jerk. <laughs> yeah, chat, geek's a jerk. He got he, he made me mess up, made me butcher his name because his name on the thing I'm looking at on the top says Benjamin Wood. But thank you for coming on the podcast, Benjamin J. Wood. Um, we I would love to, can't wait to have you back. And uh, I'm going to hand it, hand it off to Geekenstein. All right. And I just want to thank Benjamin J. Woods. For coming on the podcast. I just also want to let everybody know that starting now, if I could just show it real quick, what can I show it? I don't know. What can you show, Geek? What can I show, Joe? Can Stupid show jerk. No messing me up. That you could buy your tickets to Scars and Stripes. It's on sale right now, right? Scars and yeah, Stripes are on. You got to buy your tickets. And not only NYWC, wherever you are in the world, support your local indies. Please buy a ticket to a shirt. Buy it. Buy it. Buy a ticket to a shirt. Buy a ticket to a show. Buy a ticket. Uh, for, no, I'm screwing up. You got to stop. Shut up. Let me do it. Buy your tickets <sighs> to any promotion they're going on. Check out in, take out Stars and Stripes. NYWC. NYWC. Stars and Stripes. August 14th. Keith, starting at 7 p.m. Be there. And don't forget, support your local indies and get a t-shirt on ProWrestlingTees.com. While you're at it. While you're at it. I got it. Geek always fucks this up. It's HTTP streamlabs.com slash dudes at ringside. HTTP.com slash dudes at ringside. And um, we, I'm the Geek, and this is Joe. Panther the sad. We're out of here. We out here. Bye. Thank you, Grandpa. Thank you, cuz. Lighting the way for Latino wrestlers. Bye.